Hey, thanks for checking out the Blake Benz podcast. This episode is awesome. I'm sitting down with Allegra Stein. She's going to be telling you all about her coaching business. She's been in business for almost a decade. And right now she is focusing on helping women move on to the next big thing in their life. It's an incredible episode. I learned a lot just listening to her, and I'm really excited for you to enjoy this episode. Hey, by the way, if you enjoy the podcast, if you are a regular listener, man, I want to invite you to support the podcast and possibly even sponsor the podcast. For the price of a cup of coffee, you can help continue to produce awesome, great episodes for more listeners, helping with production costs and also advertising costs for the show. I want you to go to patron.podbean.com slash good advice. That's patron, P-A-T-R-O-N dot podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com slash good advice. And I want you to consider giving $5 a month to support the podcast and continue to get great guests to the show. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the episode and I will catch you later. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Blake Benz podcast. I am sitting down with Allegra Stein, who is a phenomenal coach in her own right. She's been coaching for seven years. She is the expert, the person, the go-to when it comes to women who are working around big ideas, especially when it comes to transitioning to the next big career chapter in their lives. Allegra, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for that introduction. That was super fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the high note. Now it's, it's up to you to match. <laughs> <laughs> the expectations. Yeah. Now, now, how do I say your name? Is it Allegra or Allegra? Those sounded exactly the same to me. <laughs> well, um, I was thinking Allegra and then Allegra, like leg and leg. I have never been asked that, but I would just say Allegra. Well, all of a sudden, I got self-conscious because... I, Allegra, as I, Allegra. I guess it's like the potato chip. Yeah. Well, I said, I said your name, and <laughs> I had someone on the podcast like maybe two months ago, and I was mispronouncing her name the oh, entire wow. time. Yeah. And it wasn't until the very end that I said, well, how can people reach out to you? She was like, oh, you can search me at... And she said her name, and I was like, oh my gosh. That was a good feeling moment for you, I'm sure. <laughs> We've been speaking for two hours, and I... <laughs> I said your name right once. Well, I appreciate you asking, but it sounded fine the first time you said it. I can't say I've ever noticed that difference in Allegra <laughs> or Allegra. It's all good. It sounded good some, all around. Some people are big on it. Like I had That's a friend good. who she was like, it's Leslie, not Leslie. It's Leslie. Okay. So enough about that. Let's, <laughs> <laughs> I am so happy that you're on the podcast. I'm uh, happy to be here. Kristen Sherry continues to introduce me to these really amazing people and I'd love just to dive in and learn a little bit about maybe on the surface of what you do professionally, and then we can dig in a little deeper about who you are and what your journey has been like. Sure. Tell me a little bit about who you are. Who I am. Well, (laughs) uh, I'm in the professional pie piece of my life. I am a coach. I have been working as a coach for the past seven years, and the kind of coaching that I do um, has, has... always embraced a love of the unknown, of trying new things, of big ideas and experiments and having a willingness to kind of like go on personal adventures into like new spaces. I'm a big fan of that. A lot of my personal experience um, just showed me the value of being willing to try new things. And I love supporting others who are in that space who really want to take action to make new things happen. So I've worked in um, around relocation. I've worked with founders who want to kind of evolve their business into the next phase. Um, I've worked with women who just have these personal dreams and big ideas they're ready to activate. And it's just so rewarding to watch them take action on those things. and. Really, this coming year and this coming season, I'm excited to be working with women around this question of career development, career pathing, and creating a career chapter they're in love with. Um, it just feels like really important work. So, so let's put some practicality behind that. Okay. What is, you know, let's talk about like the ideal client, perfect person. 
Wow. What what is she experiencing? What is she feeling? And then what 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 happens when you come in? Oh my gosh, what is the perfect client? It's so interesting because I'm coming off of like a lot of different discovery calls. And it's, you know, when I say this idea of create a career chapter you're in love with, like there's a big spectrum along that. You know, some of my clients are women who've been experiencing success in their current role, but they're really feeling like something is missing. They're looking for the next step, the, no- the next direction, perhaps um, moving out into the unknown and creating a new path. And so there's this question of like uncertainty and fear. And, but there's also this knowing and this readiness to take action. Um, uh, one of my clients is coming upon retirement actually. And that's a really fascinating space because for the the past 40 years, she has really given her life to the companies she's worked for and to the kids she's been raising. And now she's like, I am ready for this next, next chapter. And I want it to be about me, but I, I'm not exactly sure what that is. Like I want language to put around who I am and, um, what my strengths are and like what defines me so that this next path that I carve out is in alignment with that. Mm Um, you know, that, that question, that question of who am I, it just feels like, and I don't want to get like super deep, like right off, right out of the gun, but it, it's funny to me and like more and more people that I'm talking to, it's probably a bit of a broad brush to say they feel unsatisfied. Here's a good example. A friend of mine, friend of my wife, she was over having dinner with us. She's phenomenal. I mean, she's an yeah. incredible professional. But she made this comment. She said, I just kind of feel like life's kind of just passing me by. Mm. You know, and I just, and I kind of paused and I was like, yeah, I've, I've felt that before, right? And sure. so it's, it's, and I feel like all this comes under this, this banner of, of, you know, purpose and identity and fulfillment and. Such big ideas. <laughs> I'm a big fan of like defining those things. I find that I find that we get stuck and trapped. I don't know if it's trapped, but a little bit stuck around words and ideas that are like in the lexicon a lot, like purpose and identity. And we never really stop to ask ourselves like, what exactly does that mean? Cause mm. it means such different things to different people. Mm. I'm also a big fan of getting very specific of like really trying to break a big thing into small parts. I'm pretty good at that. I like, someone said to me, reflected back to me, they're like, you really, you really like to make maps. Like I love mapping things out and like pulling all these little pieces together and trying to figure out how they fit. But in order to do that, you have to be willing to get more specific. So even when someone says like, you know, life has just passed me by, my natural inclination was like, what do you mean? Like, how do you know? What's telling you that? Like, what does that mean? That how you're spending your time? Does it mean, like, where exactly is the misalignment? I'm kind of like an investigator in that way. Because then when you get really specific, that's when you can start to turn things into projects, right? And, mm. and do something differently than perhaps you have been. I wish I could have just called you. <laughs> you <laughs> can put now. you on speakerphone. <laughs> Next well, time, you'd be like, we should bring a legger into this conversation. I like, um, I like what you're saying, too, because honestly, what I'm hearing you talk about is it sounds like there's a real practicality to your work. Mm. And it feels like this happens a lot in the coaching space, but it happens, happens anywhere. Yeah. Is people who they say like really, they're, it's emotive stuff, like it's, 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 it's moving stuff. But it's not, it's kind of meaningless. So here, a great example of this would be yeah. like, you go to a conference, like a, like a, like even like a leadership conference. And it's like, go be the leader that you were meant to be. <laughs> and you're like, and everyone leaves and they're like, yeah, you know, they just feel on cloud nine. And it's, it's part of the reason why I think that that, you know, it burns out after, you know, a week is because it's like, well, I mean, yeah, I got the emotional side of like, I want this, but I don't, I don't really know what needs what to change needs, or what's, yeah. what's different or, and it sounds like you, you fit that, you, you add value in that missing piece of, you know, here's all the, um, the incredible stuff. Now let's actually build it out and get yeah. super specific on what we do with it. Well, and the, and the, um, the getting specific part comes before the building out, right? Cause it's like, mm. 
you can't fix what you, what you don't see and what you don't know. And so I, I do like when someone comes to me and they're, they're ruminating on a question or they're feeling, even when someone says I'm stuck, I was like, what does that mean? Like, what do you, it's just, and we have all these big words. They're around us a lot. They're around in like social media and images and like phrases. And so I think we hold ourselves up to these big ideas without ever stopping and saying, well, what is that? Like, what, what is leadership? What would I be doing? If I woke up tomorrow and I was a leader, what would I be doing differently than I'm doing today? What would I be feeling like? And sometimes people can't, I don't know. So then that's just really fun for me. It's really curious. I'm like, well, who do you know that's a leader? Who would you identify as a leader? And why do you think that about them? Like, Mm. what what is that thing? Because if you can start to define it, I'm always talking, I'm always going like this, like giving, I like to give things shape and look at things from different angles, just because I feel like when you pause and just look and start to define, you you uncover what really is the thing that's happening. And when you uncover it and you see it, that's when you can start to change it if you would like to. Hmm. You know, I, I wish I had like a follow-up question, but I'm really just internalizing. I'm like, man, yeah, this is so good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a pause then. I'm all about I, yeah, well, yeah, I'm just no like... No problem with silence. <laughs> I'm just... Because honestly, what I was doing as I was listening to you is I was, I was thinking two things. I was... One for my own coaching practice, I was mm. like, I was just thinking of like, okay, do I do, do I do what she's saying? Because I can just, as I'm listening to you, I can feel the energy around it. Like I can mm. feel the tactile part of uh, of it's something real and meaningful, and it, there's a go do element of this. And so I was thinking about it for my own business of you know how well am I doing that with my clients, and can I do it better? But then on the other hand, I had this other conversation in my head of just like. I was like even evaluating my own life mm. <laughs> you know, like, man, well, how do I feel? And like, it's just funny. I, I guess you're just really good at your job. Cause like, I'm already, you know, analyzing now, just listening. So. <laughs> I've given you so much to think about. <laughs> now the, the way that you, cause, cause obviously you talk about this in, the, in a way that it's so habitual to you. It's obvious that it's, you don't, I don't want to say you don't put much thought into it. Cause obviously you, you've put, incredible amount of expertise and thought into this, but it's so, it feels like as I'm listening to you, it's so natural and it's just part of your DNA. Did that, did that come from, was there a moment in your life that you did this for yourself or, you know, you had someone who passed this on to you or has this just been, you know, forged over time? I mean, I'm just really curious as to who the person I'm talking to, how you've gotten to this point. (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess it started the first, after going to college, I went to college at UC Davis. I should be wearing my UCD sweatshirt. I'm a big hoodie fan. <laughs> you I call myself, I call myself the coach in the hoodie and I'm living up to it again today. Say, Look the at last that. Time, yeah. The last time we <laughs> spoke, you were in a hoodie. I was in my UCD sweatshirt. So yeah. I went to college. I studied wildlife biology. I was like, yeah, I want to work outside. I want to work with animals. That was just kind of like the path that I was on. And while I was at college that last year, I heard about the Peace Corps and something about that opportunity really resonated with me. And I ended up joining the Peace Corps. It took about a year and a half before that all kind of came together. But at the time, I remember thinking, I really need to do this for myself. It felt like a very selfish decision, but in a very healthy way, kind of like a, I need to go do this for myself to learn who I am. I need to kind of remove myself from everything that's comfortable and known and just go see what happens and who am I when I'm not in this place. I don't know if I, in reflection, that feels very clear to me, but I I, I seemed, I remember the moment where I just was like, I have to do this. And so that part of my life really was about honoring this voice, this knowing, like, I've got to go do this thing for me so that I can show up even more fully in my relationships, right? Like, I got to, I got to finish cooking <laughs> before I can, like, can be of value and of service to others, which was kind of funny because I was doing something that was of service to the community I was a part of. And, 
and this larger mission of the Peace Corps. And, and what was like, what was out of sync that made you feel like you needed to go fill this in some way or? I don't know. <laughs> I just, just like a hunger. <laughs> it just was a, it was just a knowing, like I, I yeah. want to, I just wanted to do it. And I just knew that it was going to be transformational for me. And I was terrified and excited, which is a word I have come to call terexcitified. It's a word I use a lot in my practice and with my clients. I'm always like, mm. you should feel a little bit terexcitified. Like this should feel new and kind of unknown. And that kind of marked the beginning of this period of time for me that was about a lot of just personal self-discovery and making decisions that felt really scary, but also really necessary and transformational. So you and I uh, discovered when we met that when I got back from the Peace Corps, like my next step was, well, I'll join Teach for America. Like, let's do this again. <laughs> like, let's, let's go and do another thing that feels big and unknown but right. And that also like really was a definitive and transformational period of time for me as I'm, I'm sure it was for you. And so I feel like that's at the backbone kind of of this spirit and this energy that I bring into my coaching partnerships. And even with everybody, like I'm always a fan of trying something new. I'm always encouraging people to, they say, I don't know what it's going to happen. And I'm like, great. Exactly. Like, yes. <laughs> Isn't it beautiful? Like there's so much out there. I've discovered it. Um, and I, I just want that for others. So that was kind of like the motivating energy coming out of my twenties. And then I was a teacher and through teaching, and especially when I was teaching at the high school level, I was working with teens who were coming to the end of their high school career and going into college and really at, again, this very pivotal time in their lives. And I just was so excited for them, especially for the kids who were struggling. Like they were having a hard time at the end of school. And I just was like, just hold on. Like you are, it's all about to become, di like, it's just, you're going to make, like, it's going to, and it gave me this real experience of like working with individuals one-on-one -on -one and celebrating them and being present to them and wanting them to just uncover the beauty of trying new things and adventures. And, and that I think is what really kind of brought, I've never talked about it like this before. So it's really interesting, but like synthesized all of that energy I had for myself coming out of these two big experiences, starting to channel it into the lives of other people and then, you know, in the meantime, I got married and I had a couple kids and like my life kind of changed focus. Uh -huh. And when I came out of that phase of kind of new motherhood and started to say, what am I going to do next? I, I discovered coaching and it, it, it just in reflection, I'm like, of course, like this is, it's, it, it all kind of came together into this place where I can bring this enthusiasm I have, but then on top of it, I've layered all of these skills and my own studies of listening and engaging and asking questions and like wearing all the hats that I think uh, an impactful coach can have. Like I'm a student of all that, of that all the time. I'm always trying to be like, how can I be better for the people that I'm guiding on their amazing journey? Man, what a great story. And it so, felt really intense. I hope that wasn't too long. I'm no, like, where's I all mean, this coming from? I was like, man, I need, that's such a, I, I kept, it's funny when I listen to people because sometimes there's so many, I'm such a conversationalist that I always want to like butt in and be like, yeah. what about, you right. know, so I have to keep myself from doing that. But uh, speaking of Teach for America, since we both, let's do it. We've had an experience there. Uh, so for the audience who maybe isn't familiar with, with TFA or Teach for America, Essentially, what they do as an organization is they look for talent to basically agree to a two-year commitment to get their teaching license and go serve a uh, an underprivileged area or a place where there's a teacher shortage usually. Uh -huh. um, and so, uh, myself and Allegra both did that. What year, by the way, did you do your commitment? I was in the Bronx from 2003 to 2005. And I was in Houston from uh, O six through, uh, no, uh, 2010 through 2013. Okay. 
So uh, now, and you were doing high school? No, I did middle school when I was in TFA. I, are, I ended up moving on. I can't. I it can't was, even believe you said that. I couldn't even. So I started in middle school. It's a, and it's I was, <laughs> I was like, I will never. If I stay here, I will literally. <laughs> I just can't. I mean, <laughs> I come off. I was coming off the heels of the Peace Corps, which had been very challenging and personally just like so much discovery, but very difficult at times. Which is why there was so much discovery. And I was like, that's one of the hardest things I've ever done. And then I got to teaching eighth grade and was like, oh no, this is yeah. the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. And it, it kind of it kind of assumed the the top rung of my my I've done difficult things ladder, you know, which I just <laughs> mentally always kind of like, have I done harder than this? And that yeah. one was I, I definitely had some moments that were like, what is happening to my brain? <laughs> oh my gosh. You know what's funny? Cause sometimes I'll do like um, different public speaking events. And so sometimes people will like ask a question, you'll have like a room of like maybe 20, 30, 40 adults. And someone might ask a question afterwards of like, Hey, is it hard to like manage a room of that many people? And I'm like, no, no, not not. in the slightest. No, because I had 15 eighth graders who, man, (laughs) I actually spoke with someone recently who just, he said something I'd never heard before. He said, he's like, if I find out someone's been a teacher, I have very little hesitation hiring them because if someone's been a teacher and like has that experience, there's just so many hats and skill sets that you have to master to like do it well. And, and that I, I loved hearing that. I'm like, yeah, like we can, when, when teaching is such a, I think an misunderstood and, and complex in a beautiful way, profession. And when it's done Mm -hmm. well, it's just so, it's so fun to be a part of and to like see the impact. Um, And it's really great to witness too. Well, it's, and it's interesting because people who haven't been on that side of it, it's, I think it's sad to me that especially when we talk about like public education, teachers are often the ones who are blamed essentially. Yeah. But so I was at a wedding this last weekend with my wife and, uh, I met this couple who the, the gentleman of the couple, he works for like a major consulting firm, like a big four a consulting firm, phenomenal person and obviously very talented. Well, his uh, date, she's a teacher in Manhattan. And so I was like, I don't care anything about you. I want to talk to you, the teacher, because you are yeah. a rock star and you're yeah. amazing. And, and I'm, I'm, I know he was amazing too, but going back to your comment on like teachers being like instantly you know, everything they've been through, they're hireable. Um, it's like, yeah, anytime I meet a teacher, I'm just like, okay, you're, you're amazing. You're phenomenal. Yeah. Um, Cause it really is. I mean, just even the, you know, even just managing people. Oh my gosh. It's just, it's incredible. It's about, it, it is. I mean, it's like, there's just so much to it. It's not only knowing the material, but how to deliver it, how to, mm-hmm. how to tailor it for different styles of learners, while at the same time, understanding how to manage, how to work mm-hmm. with emotions, how to keep attention, how to diversify, how to list, like so many skills. And I don't think I realized how much of that was going to be called upon when I started it. I, I still would have done it. It was, you know, the best, one of the best decisions of my life. And it is a very enriching, just again, dynamic mm-hmm. trade. Well, for me, what it was so valuable for, and I think this is part of, um, I think, I think TFA themselves would say this is part of their objectives is it really opened my perspective beyond what I had always known to be true. Cause I grew up in a pretty affluent community mm-hmm. and I'd mm-hmm. gone to a private school. And so my worldview, yeah, it was totally just, it just was blown open. Like, oh my gosh, it, there's something, there's what I've experienced in terms of my real data is not reality. Yeah. Right. And so that was probably the most compelling point for my, from my perspective. And definitely when I look back to teaching and it's kind of sad too, because my teaching license expires this year. Oh, really? I'm not renewing it, but I just, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of also bittersweet about it though. But um, looking back to TFA was probably the darkest and like the hardest time of my life. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but, crazy? but absolutely probably the, 
up to this point, the phase of my life I'm most grateful for. Right. Um, well, what is the the lotus and the mud and you know the phrase? No. Like, uh-uh. Oh, I mean, essentially, how the most beautiful things come out of the darkest mm. corners. Like it's. Yeah, I am beautiful. <laughs> no, that's just those good. experiences, like that, they they are the most impactful because, in part, because they were the most challenging. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the whole, uh, you know, it's the very literal forged by fire or whatever exactly. expressions there are. I mean, you know, it's 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 funny because someone was. <laughs> so this was probably maybe like six or no, this is actually probably about a year ago. I uh, my wife and I were at church, and the pastor was saying how valuable circumstances, challenging circumstances are because they can really develop your character. And the pastor was like, the next time someone tells you about a hard thing they're going through, you should tell them you're glad they're going through that. And I was, mm-hmm. I was filtering it basically because I was like, well, I probably won't, I probably won't lead with that. <laughs> but literally that day, a friend of mine was, uh, long story short, he had hired a contractor to build his house and the contractor was basically committed fraud and mm. he had to take this contractor to court and the gist of it is that the contractor lost his license, had to pay back everything, and my buddy ended up winning. But in the process, the co- the contractor countersued him and basically was dragging oh his name through the mud and was accusing him of fraud and all these really awful things. But uh, I was in this conversation with him later that day, and I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna try. <laughs> you just tell me how it comes across." Um, man, I'm happy for you that you're going through something like this. And he was like. Hmm. I don't know if I should say thank you because it doesn't, <laughs> but, but it got us talking about how, yeah. you know, it's just amazing how, you know, a lot of times we want life to be carefree and we want it to be easy and, and, or at least happy. Right. And those are all pure motives, but there's a certain sweetness, I guess, of coming through. Oh, 100%. Really awful circumstances, I guess. Yep. Um, I don't know. You know, then again, I haven't really been through anything that traumatizing, <laughs> you know, I think. About, no. I I think, well, I think about my students, for example, who, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, I was thinking, wow, you've been through more in your life than I will probably ever go through in my life. And I think that perspective sometimes, it helps us realize life isn't, yes, it's challenging, but sometimes it's not as challenging as we think. A lot of the times. A lot of the times, yeah. We we, we forget what we have, Yeah, you know, and (laughs) it's important to have awareness of an acknowledgement that like how much we actually do, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I talked to a gentleman last week who he was saying, he said, you know what I've found between happy people and unhappy people, very little to do with circumstances yeah. has, a, has a lot to do with gratefulness yeah. and gratitude. Mm. And I kind of felt that as like a punch to my gut of, man, what are the things that I complain about rather than going to gratitude first? Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's something that I've been thinking about, I guess. <laughs> it's a good thing to think about. It's a, it's a powerful practice. Yeah. You know? So, so whenever you, you know, you got through that whole journey and you, you entered a new chapter of your journey I did. and you actually started your business, started your practice. Mm-hmm. Did you have, I mean, were you aware of coaching? Was it sort of something like you were like, Oh, this is a thing I'm going to do this or. Yeah. You know, it's really funny. I didn't, I wasn't looking for it. I, I won't forget the conversation. A friend of mine, we were talking about whatever was happening in her life. And she said, you know, you're really great to talk to. You should think about going into a field where you're in conversation with people. (laughs) And I thought that's a really interesting idea. So I was like, Oh, maybe I'll go into like therapy or MFT, like a marriage family therapist or some kind of um, psychology field. But at the time I had a newborn and I just couldn't, there weren't any local programs. I just couldn't, the dots couldn't connect for me to really consider pursuing that path at the time. (coughs) Excuse me. But over the course of considering that I had discovered this field of coaching and I just remember thinking, what is that? Like, I really didn't know what it was or what it did, but I led with curiosity. I started to have conversations. I started to look up coaching programs and methodologies, modalities, and started reading different books from different teachers. And I just landed upon a teacher who had written a book that when I read it, it just, it immediately made sense to me. 
And she had a certification program that she had developed that I just felt very aligned with and confident in. I was like, I want it. I want to be able to teach that to other people. Like I, it made sense to me. I want to learn that. And so my initial coaching certification was through that program. And coming out of that certification, then it was, you know, then it's like, all right, now what? <laughs> you know, now it, then it became, um, and I mean, I, we can talk more about like the business side, if that's something you think would be interesting, but like, but the coaching, the business of coaching is a fascinating place. As I'm sure if you have coaches who are listening and as you probably, <laughs> it's a fascinating place. And so there's been this like two lanes over the, since then, the lane of really wanting to improve my skill set and like my initial certification gave me a really awesome tool in my toolbox and I've really committed the years since of like adding additional tools to that and rounding out what I bring into my coaching partnerships. Um, and at the same time, really learning and practicing and trying to understand how to build a coaching practice that I feel really good about and um, which allows me to do my work in, in a way that, that just feels aligned and good. Well, I like hearing about the integrity of your work too, in the sense of, and this is for every, this is for literally every um, business out there. There's people who don't have a lot of integrity, but I'm part of a uh, coaching forum on Facebook, uh, which is like, you know, the premium place for incredible people to meet, I guess. And one guy had just, he had just been hired for his coaching practice. He had just hired, someone had just hired him and he was posting, basically saying, hey, I have no idea what to do. Can you guys help me? Mm. I thought, okay, so you were willing to, to basically take this person's money knowing that you had no business doing so, right? And it's probably it's part of the reason why I think some coaches get a bad rap. But hearing you talk about this urgency and earnestness about how you approach your business and how mm. you know, I owe it to them, you know, I, I think it's just always great to meet a fellow coach who you know, has integrity for their business and really, you know, treats their, their customers that way. Right. Yeah. So I appreciate that about you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, and you know, what's funny is what I've found is people like yourself. It's just, it's just, again, it's just part of your DNA, right? It's like, well, yeah, why wouldn't I want to better myself? <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I think, I think there's an interesting um, conversation to be had, at least in the coaching space around like how to really develop powerful coaching relationships to deliver on impactful work and how that lines up with, again, kind of the business side of it and whether it's better to like pay attention, like, well, how do I build my business or how do I become a better coach? I'm like, well, they're very intertwined. Like my, um, there's always just for me been a commitment to, again, like filling that toolbox and making sure that any partnership that I'm in, that I'm showing up as, as with as many like skills and study and strengths as I can. Hmm to serve that client. My, my top strength actually um, is relator and essentially the relator strength is just the ability to develop relationships. And it really explains, I only did my strengths just a few months ago when I got my UMAP and before going through that certification. And I, it suddenly like explained so much, which was really interesting. It's, it, it put into words things that I already knew, but maybe didn't just, I, I couldn't quite put into language and so relator is my top strength and it just has really given me clarity and confidence and just saying, yeah, like I take my coaching relationships very seriously. Mm-hmm. I tend to prefer, I like working with groups. I mean, the teacher in me, like, you know, it's like, oh, I can lead a group through something, but uh-huh. man, I love when I can work with someone one-on-one over a longer period of time and just really deepen my relationship to them. Um, and so learning that about myself as well as my other top five strengths was like, Oh, that explains it. <laughs> like that kind of just, hmm. yeah, it just shines a light on why that's always kind of been my thing. I've always been like, 
wanting to connect with people in real life. I'm always like, let, you know, if someone reaches out to me, I'm like, let's talk. Like, I just want to know who you are. And if this is a fit, great, we can talk about it. But it always comes back to um, relationships for me and building real connections with individuals. And it feels like that's, that is, that's the magic, I guess, of creating an actual meaningful personal network. And I don't even mean, I don't even mean LinkedIn. I just mean like in general, when you think about the people who are, in your corner, as a friend of mine describes it, the people who are like in your, you know, metaphorical room, Mm. Um, you know, I have people like Kristen Sherry, who I've Mm -hmm. met through LinkedIn, but then I have people in person. And and I think about like the common, the common, the commonalities between all of them. And it's, we all have this eagerness to have a real relationship. Yeah. And I feel like there's like a magic behind that. And there's really a, I feel like a sustainability around your brand when you're Mm. seeking that out with people rather than being transactional, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, where's the next sale or what have mm-hmm. you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Let's talk, but only if it leads to something tactile for me, right? which I don't think works. I mean, maybe it works for some people. <laughs> you know what? You're right. <laughs> I mean, it must, it must work in some ways. I don't think there's any one yeah. right way, but I do think it helps to work in a way that's aligned with who we naturally are. Mm-hmm. And that I think has been a, something that I've just grown in understanding over the mm-hmm. years of like, I, I, it doesn't help me to try and fit myself into a box or into a model that just doesn't feel like me. And I've, I don't think I was ever really too, I was never really able to explain why I would just be like, Oh, I just don't want to do it like that. And now, now I get it. I'm like, well, of course I didn't want to do it that way because I like doing it this like what well, it comes natural and naturally to me to work with fewer people over a longer period of time. Like it just it's just my it's just how I like to do it. It doesn't make it the right way. It's just yeah. happens to be what I I know feels most aligned. Uh-huh. And that I guess is what I'm trying to help others do. I'm trying to help others figure out maybe what that core is what that language is early on like right so it's it's clear from the beginning rather than um this kind of nebulous question mark that we can't quite put our finger on Mm -hmm. it's it's amazing how powerful self-awareness is oh my gosh it's uh i think it's a big predictor of how we feel about it's a big predictor of whether we feel in alignment with like the path that we're on and the context we've built for ourselves is just knowing in the first place, what is going to be the right fit. I was talking with a client about it and she says, yeah, it's like, I'm looking for the glass slipper. And I'm like, yeah, but the way you're going to find your glass slipper is to really understand your foot. Like you got to know the details of your foot so that there's no question that a particular shoe is going to fit, you know? Whereas I think a lot of times we're trying to like fit ourselves into things because we think it'll be right or we were taught that was the right thing. And I'm trying to change that and be like, well, what if we started with you knowing exactly what your shape is and then going out and asking for the container that's going to fit that rather than just hoping that it'll work out. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, that I, makes I, sense. It, it does. It makes perfect sense. And I think for me, like I'm listening and I'm like, yes, yes. Like checking the, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. That's great. I think what's interesting to me, and it's kind of like when you get into the conversation of like even like emotional intelligence or or even thinking about past corporate clients I've had, when you talk about stuff like self-awareness, for me, it feels like it's one of the most, it's like one of the biggest aha moments when Mm. you suddenly, you get outside of yourself and you realize, oh, that's how I operate. And that's, 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 you know, that's not, it's not working for me. Right. But, but even getting that aha moment requires you being perceptive enough to recognize some there's there's a there's a dysfunction there's a pain here that doesn't make yeah. sense it's like i had chris mack i don't know if you know chris mack um mm. she was on the podcast about two months ago and she was talking about this really awful moment in her life when her dad died and her sister had this like you know incredible network of friends who were there at the funeral and then she didn't really have anyone who was there supporting her. And rather than being you know, mad or like the victim or angry, it was like this, this 
light bulb of, okay, something I'm willing to scratch beneath the surface a little bit and realize yeah. and figure out what is it that's happening here that is causing me to, for this, for this to be present, right? This circumstance to be present. And she realized I don't develop very strong relationships with people. And that's something I want to change. But what, the point that I'm getting at is it feels like it's, it's on one hand, it's hard for people to even get outside of themselves and slow down and have that aha moment. And two, I think when we have this conversation on like self-awareness or what have you, people discount it as fluff. Mm-hmm. Or I had someone one time who was like, he, he goes, you know, honestly, man, no offense, but I just don't really give, I don't give any time to that self-improvement crap. Because in his mind, it was like the, you know, the aisle at Barnes and Noble, right? Yeah. Walk yeah. down, it's like all the, you know, and it's like, it's fluffy, it's not tangible, it's meaningless. And so I think those two things, the, the lack of opportunity, and then the, the perception of, of it being useless. Yeah. It's, it's, I think those are, are two really big limiters to people that keep them from, you know, um, I don't know, moving forward, I guess. <laughs> well, sure. I love, I just have to say, I love, I've been thinking a lot about curiosity and how curiosity is just such an awesome, it's one of my values. Like I love just getting curious. I, I like to think that's uh, an energy I bring into my partnerships because sometimes my clients will just be like, so taking things so seriously and I kind of come in and I'm like, hmm, like this is fascinating. And they'll be like, no, it's not. And I'll say, it is. Let's, let's just play with it being curious for a minute. And what I'm hearing from Chris was like, she, she very, like you said, she didn't get stuck in anger or resentment or whatever she may have felt noticing that her sister had this network of friends and she didn't have views. She just kind of like automatically dropped into the place of curiosity. And I just think it's such a dynamic and positive and like self, what's the word? Fertile attitude to have about life, mm-hmm. you know? And I, when you talk about the people who like don't want to go into self-awareness, I would just almost argue that there isn't a, that the, it's the curiosity that could be turned up, you know, because mm. you're, maybe they won't, I don't want to do that self-awareness stuff. And it's like, okay, are you stressed? Yeah, I'm stressed. Okay. So like we can at least like, there's a com- a shared understanding about that. Like, do you know, do you, are you curious about why? And that I think is where, you know, the difference between curiosity and certainty really starts to come into play because, you know, a lot of times we'll be, well, yeah, I'm stressed because of that thing out there. And if there isn't a willingness to at least question that, like, are you sure it's from out there? Like, are you willing to come be curious with me that maybe it's coming from somewhere else? I think if they're willing to play, if there is that, sure, okay then it's like, cool, let's, what if it was this? What if it was that? Like, can we take the judgment off of all of it and just kind of get in the pool and splash around a little bit? Um, <laughs> I, I, I really do think that, that things, that curiosity is a keystone. I love that. Yeah. I, I've never used that language, but as I'm listening to you, I'm like, yeah, I think curiosity, being curious, there's a direct tie, honestly, to you know, being a more successful person where, you know, it's even asking the question of, and I love how you described it. It feels like people who are more successful, rather, there's a difference between that person and the person who always habitually goes to, oh, it's them or it's that. And then the person whose first thought is, or maybe it's not even their first thought, but at least float the question of maybe it's me, right? Mm -hmm. It's, and I see this a lot even, so I do a lot, a lot of my work's in like leadership and management. Right. So it's always funny. There's a difference between the people who I feel like go on to really, to be really great bosses and the ones who eventually get fired are it's, it's the boss who says, okay, this employee's struggling and it's not because they're lazy or irresponsible. Maybe it's something I'm doing or not doing as a boss. Yeah. And I, yeah. I feel like when people get that, it, it sets them on a different track, it feels like. Yeah. And I think just going back to what we were saying at the beginning, like words like, oh, what makes people successful is the, where it gets confusing is that there are people who are very successful from the outside that 
so, so that again comes down to someone's definition. Like if, you know, when you work, oh, I just want to feel more successful. I want to be successful. I'm always like, what is that? Like, <laughs> what is that? Is it, what a success? Is it a financial thing? Is it a position? Is it a role? Can you be, is it an internal thing? Like, what does that exactly look like? Um, because I think there are people who are, who, who maybe meet the external definition of success for some others, but internally are completely, it's not, it's not a place you want to be. Um, and yet there's still this interesting, it's, it's weird measure, right? It's, it's weird when you think about it, because it's, it's almost like sometimes we've been trained to describe it's like, it's like when you meet someone and they give you their verbal resume. And in their mind, this is what gives me credibility to you. It's, and I don't, I don't think, I don't think, you know, and I tend to trust people generically rather than see them in a malicious way. Right. So I don't think it's about always about ego or what have you. I think that sometimes, you know, you meet someone for the first time and it's like, Hey, so I'm, I'm blank. Who are you? And they go straight to, you know, I've been in business for 20 years or I've been the, you know, I'm the COO or, and these things in my mind as I'm listening and I'm not like, you know, super analyzing, but sometimes I catch myself and I think, why are you telling me this? Mm -hmm. Because it seems like in your mind, this is what, these are the things that have proven that I am a successful person. And just like you've rightly pointed out, there is so much unhappiness or dissatisfaction with them internally, but it's like, who are you? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, you know, I've been in business 20 years. You know, it's like, right. it's like these things that are, <laughs> yeah. that are ultimately meaningless and yet, for we it's hard for us to recognize that disconnect. I think sometimes. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it's the people who want to get curious about it that that <laughs> tend to be open to the kind of work that you do, the kind of work that I do. I mean, if you sit down with someone and they have no curiosity, you're like, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, then call me when you do. Like, yeah. I I can't, yeah. I can't take you anywhere you don't want to go. Right. Well, let me ask you this, and it, this is a little less, uh, I guess, motivational. I okay. do want to talk a little bit about the mechanics of your business sure. before we run out of time, only because the majority of people who listen to this podcast, business owners, entrepreneurs, startup founders, what okay. have you, and so, or, or they're leaders or managers. And so I want to add a little bit of mechanics to this in the sense of going back to when you started your practice. Yes. How did you get your first customers? Oh my gosh. How did I get my first customers? Well, when I came, when I, after getting my coaching certification, I decided that I wanted my area of focus to be relocation because I, if you go back to my story, was coming off of this very personal decade of making a lot of big moves and moving from, you know, around the world into New York by myself. And I was like, I understand what it means to move. I want to work around relocation. And doing that allowed me to forge connections and conversations with people who were interested in topping, talking about that subject. And I'm thinking back to one of the very first podcasts I was on. I don't remember how I met her. I had joined B school, which, you know, Coming off of getting a coaching certification, the, the first question was like, okay, how do I get a coaching business? When I speak to new coaches now, I usually advise them a little bit differently. My advice to new coaches is all, when they're like, what should my niche be? What should I be doing? How can I market things? I'm like, forget about all that stuff and just coach your ass off. Like, Start coaching people. Talk to them. If, you, if you're comfortable asking to get paid for it, then ask get paid for it. You know, that that will follow as your confidence builds. And a lot, like when you're doing the work, you're going to figure out what kind of work you love and what you don't love. And like, so I'm a big advocate of as much as possible getting into the work and like doing the craft as a way, as the path towards answering kind of the more business questions. Anyway, I just remember I was able to, have a conversation. I think I was on a podcast with this awesome woman, Kathy, and we talked about relocation and she, a number of people heard that and reached out to me because they were moving. And I had just, you know, I had established kind of an initial offer of, you know, three sessions in a month, you know, whatever it was kind of how I was 
was positioning and packaging my coaching, it, I remember I just had the conversation with someone and it was a fit and they said yes. And we were on our way. I love it. I mean, yeah, I guess it was as simple as that. I just started telling people and (laughs) how did you meet the person that you went on their podcast? Again, I think it was because I had joined B school and B school. Do you know B school? Nope. Okay. So B school, I don't know. I think it's still, it's still going. It's, um, it's a program by Marie Forleo. And oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I, you know, it's funny. You mentioned her name. What is, this is a totally random, uh, rabbit trail, but I have a Google drive folder called stop doing this Oh yeah. and it's really bad ads, like awful ads. But then I have a folder of these <laughs> really good ads and Maria Forleo, is that how you say her name? Marie Forleo. Marie Forleo. Uh, one of her ads is in that folder. Oh. And a good one. Because I was like, ooh, this is a really, yeah, I was like, does, finally a good ad. She so. does some amazing work. She recently came out with a book that, um, you know, and apparently is just doing some, has just evolved in a really powerful way. Cool. Um, and at the time I was like, well, I got my certification. How do I become a coach? I should join some kind of like business program. Like I didn't know. So I joined B-School, which really taught me some of this initial language around having a website and a way for people to get in touch with you. And like, it, it gave me at least an initial glimpse into the mechanics of reaching people online virtually, as opposed to just like within my in-person network. And so, um, a lot of my initial connections came out of that because there were, you know, a thousand other people or whatever it was that were also very eager and energized to be building their businesses around different topics. And some of those people were starting podcasts. And so that's really where a lot of the initial energy came. It was from being a part of a community of other people who were um, as energized about creating something as I was. Mm. And I think that continues to be true. Like the, the, Finding really good energizing networks that feel aligned, I think, and building positive um, reciprocal relationships with people is so valuable. And, and I can connect the dots between clients. I mean, I love, yeah, like I love connecting. Like, where did that client find me? And how did I connect with them? And have I gone back to the person and thanked them for that connection? Because now I think about it as like ripples, and everything um, invariably always connects back to someone or something else. And I think it's absolutely true because I think about even people I've had on the podcast, by and large, has come back to very intentional early relationships I made, Kristen Sherry being one of them. Yeah. Where, I mean, it was literally, it was just a legitimate, you know, it wasn't like a, um, you know, those messages you get that are like, hey, I'd love to learn more about your business. But you yeah. know, like, as soon as you say what you do, well, that's great. Yeah. I do this and it helps your, it helps you exactly, you know? So you can always tell when it's disingenuous, but I formed these really intentional, genuine relationships. And it's just funny how those things, I just think you're spot on. I think it's so right. You know, it's relationships that you're developing. Yeah. So that it all kind of started with that initial kind of business building community. And then it just, you know, evolved from there with trying different things and, you know, you learn pretty quickly, especially if you're an entrepreneur, a business owner, a founder, that it's one thing to love your craft. It's another thing to love the craft of, of business development. And like, that was a really interesting lesson for me, you know, when I was like, I mean, I've had many times over the years where I'm like, I just want to coach. Like, I just, I just want to be doing the thing that I love and not necessarily these other things that are going to kind of like establish my self-employment, you know, doing this work. But, um, but invariably that always ends up dovetailing again. And I've just realized that marriage that, you know, it goes hand in hand being really skilled in your craft and also being able to confidently speak about your business and your work in a way that is honest. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And like energize, like I, I I speak very honestly, and and when I'm excited about something, I, I do think it translates because it's just very, I just get really excited about things, you know. 
just mm-hmm. I feel that way about my work now and it's like it definitely has gone through evolutions and it's it's fun to see how it how it's received by others it's hard to sell especially well I just not that's hard to sell in general I think it's hard to be a a salesperson in general um or at least it was for me, like figuring out mm. that business development side of it. Because for me, going back to what you're saying on like the, I just want to coach. I mean, that, yeah. was my, that was my thinking was. Sure. And you know, what's funny when I think about like ditch to ditch from like sleazy salesperson, I was on like the opposite side of, this is what I do. Oh, you don't want it? Okay, great. See ya. Right. You know, or hey, you want to get lunch anyway? You know, and I just was, you know, and so I think um, finding that middle ground has been a journey for me. Well, sure. But... Well, and the more conf- like I think that comes to with like confidence and conviction of what you're, what you're really trying to do for people, mm-hmm. you know, and feeling like just a certainty that it's this great. I think that's difficult too with coaches because the work is so personal. Because when we're in a coaching relationship, it is a relationship. It's not. an object or a widget. It's like, and in some ways it's not even like other service things where there's a tangible, like I'm thinking of a a masseuse. It's like a masseuse has an actual like massage, like physical thing that happens. And yes, it's a relationship, but coaching relationships are so fascinating to me. And, and it's, it's very difficult to think of my, work as being separate from me. Mm. And yet it serves me also to, to just recognize that there is me and then there's my work and to, to be able to have that space so that I'm not taking it personally. So that when someone says no, I'm not like, Oh God, I'm just like, (laughs) great. Okay. It's not, it's not good right now. Let's Mm. okay. Like no's are great. Let's do it. And I think having so that's been an interesting lesson too and for any of your listeners who are actually again selling services where it's truly this relationship and i don't mean to suggest by the way that like massage therapists aren't don't build that with their hands and in the sure. physical touch I, I hope i'm not minimizing the the power in that but um but that's just been an interesting exploration too of realizing that like i am my coaching and i am not I am not my work in its entirety. I'm mm-hmm. hoping that's making sense. <laughs> it doesn't at all. No, I'm just kidding. It yeah. doesn't. Oh, it does. shoot. Should I start? No. <laughs> makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been, um, this has been so good. I mean, I just I hope so. I feel like there were so many things that I didn't even really get to dig into. Well, we'll have to do it again. We will. There's one question I do want to ask you. Okay. Do you have any parenting advice? Because my wife and I are having a kid doing Yay! It. And so... I always like to ask people, like, what's your, what's the one piece of advice you have as you bury Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Um, I think with parenting comes a lot of pressure to, like, do it right. And so I, I, I'm, perhaps my advice would be to, like, allow yourself, let yourself off the hook when you can. (laughs) And I I certainly don't mean that about like, you know, I mean that in a way of like, we are all out here doing our best. Every parent out there, there's no parent out there that hasn't done something or made a mistake, like a quote unquote mistake. And they're like, Oh, I should have tried this or I'm not doing this right. And I think it's so easy to just assume this level of like guilt, like, Mm. Oh man, like, and I, I don't know that that serves, serves anybody. Right. I, parenting is a natural thing. It's in your DNA. You're going to know exactly what to do. You're going to know (laughs) (laughs) your wife is going to know you're going to know it's in our genetic fabric to like keep our, our kids well and alive and thriving. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just going to ask you to trust yourself and to just be gentle and not get too in the weeds of like, Oh, I should have done, could have done. It's like, it's fine. Mm -hmm. It's fine. 
get some get get sleep when you can and just ride out this wave of life discovery and learning that's going to happen and and yeah that's great i love it Okay, great. <laughs> if, if it doesn't work out, then I'll blame you. Or oh no! no <laughs> like, well, remember you told me that. How how can my listeners follow up with you? How can they follow you? Um, uh, okay, well they can way. find me. My website is allegrastein.com, and that should lead them through. Uh, they can learn about the UMAP partnerships that I'm doing there. There's uh, allegrastein.com forward slash connect is the easiest way to set up a time to talk because. I just love connecting with people in real time. So if someone's curious to know more about coaching, they can set up a discovery call there. And on social, I'm over on uh, Instagram at Allegrator and over on LinkedIn as Allegra Stein. I am not on Facebook. I left a long time ago. Well, not a long time ago, but good riddance. <laughs> feels good. I got to tell you. Yeah. My wife just dropped it for this next year. She'll in, never go back. In preparation for uh, the uh, upcoming election. Ah. I think she's going to be a much happier person. <laughs> I was going to say. Good move, especially with a yeah. new baby on the way. She needs to just yeah, like, yeah. insulate and protect. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it would be amazing to connect with anyone if they have questions or they want sure. to talk about anything. Um, I'm a big fan of, of forging new relationships. So Great. Well, Allegra, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and for our listeners... Uh, be sure to follow her and check her out on LinkedIn, Instagram, and on her website. Let me know what you think about the episode, Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com, and we will catch you later. See ya.